Welcome to the Sober Fanboy. I'm your host, John Jeremy. And today we have a special guest, singer-songwriter Chelsea Takami, talking about relationships, codependency, and music. So this is like more conversational. So we're just gonna like conversate. Okay. You could bring the mic close to your face. Let's conversate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, how's everybody doing out there? My name is John Jeremy. I'm the host of the Sober Fanboy, and I have my special guest, Chelsea Takami. Hello. 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 How are you? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> How are you? How's everybody out there? Hope you guys are doing good. I hope. I think they're doing the best they can in this pandemic. We all are. Oh my goodness. Tell me about it. I, I actually feel like it just started hitting me probably like last couple of weeks. What, like, the pandemic? Like, like the... I was good. Like, I was like... Oh, you were chilling? I'm an introvert, so, like, my little place here is, like, I love it, I chill. I have everything I need. What do I need to go out there for? Other than it's like... true. This is a nice little sanctuary. But you're more... Of, I feel like you're more of a people person. I am a homebody. Like, <laughs> the, I'm totally feeling the vibe here, and I could be with it, too, for sure. Um, but also, people are good. I could go either way. Yeah. I guess, you know. I hear you. It's not like an extrovert or introvert. What do they call it? I don't even know the name of it. It's the in between. The in between avert. I don't know. It's <laughs> it just collapse. Inward. <laughs> I don't really know cuz I am fine on my own. And then sometimes I need people. Well, I was on my own for a while. I've lived on my own since I was 20. Mm. With the exception of I have moved in with a couple boyfriends, never again. With a boyfriend? Are you going to wait? Am I going to wait for what? No, I'm saying you would never move in with a boyfriend again. until again? Yeah. Until like, you get married? Like if he proposes? I don't know if marriage is in the cards for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Um, but I just have the experience of... like. I'm fine. I'll get a house or whatever with whoever, not whoever, but like if no, I'm no, no. Yeah, with that's someone. What you, that's what you want. I need my own place though. Like I'm always going to have my own space to go to. I was just thinking this the other day because I am so much of a homebody or just I stay by myself that I felt I got scared. I'm like, oh no, like I can't get in a relationship with someone because I can't see myself moving in with them because i need my i need to like i love how i'm living now yeah like just so solo that like it it definitely scares me to think that that would ever happen but of course you know things change but i like that you said that marriage isn't in the cards for you because um like i don't like i don't right now i don't want to have kids so like that's kind of like my boundary with myself so like whoever i was i would talk to i would like let them know like oh yeah you know i don't want to have kids and like just in a in a, in a way i think before we we turned the, this uh these microphones on we were talking about codependence mm-hmm. and i think like knowing what i want like is a lot and being able to talk to somebody and then like at least they know what page i'm on like you know if i 
maybe like yeah saying telling somebody like i'm not really looking to get married like maybe ever that might change that might not but you know for today like i don't feel like doing that and that's a great thing because i think when i decided i want to have kids uh i think it's when someone said you know you don't have to like you don't have to do what everyone like what we think everybody here Mm -hmm. needs us to do like society and all that stuff like my buddy he's from brooklyn and out in the suburbs here like they here's more like get married get the house have the kids right soccer mom and he said out there they don't uh, it doesn't seem to be as monogamous like people are just dating each other like they're just dating and like you have to really make it clear like oh i really like you do you want to be monogamous not to assume you're in a monogamous relationship yeah um you know even out here i have found that but honestly i haven't really been with people that I've never been with anybody that's been like, I want to get married, I want to have kids, and I want to have a house by this age. Usually my friends have set those goals for themselves, and like, and they've pretty much been all girls, too. Like, they're females, you know? Like, I, I, but I never related to it. And I've never dated anyone, and I'm straight, like, I don't, I wish I wasn't sometimes, <laughs> but I haven't dated anybody that's uh, been insistent upon that. I think I'd be like, no, this isn't going to work out. Like it's, like if you guys are chilling and talking and it comes up in conversation, then you, you would you tell them right there in the spot you feel or you feel like you would yeah. just have it in the mind like, okay. No, I would just say it. I've always been very open with like, I don't see myself really getting married uh, who knows I'm not like saying no to it for sure yeah, but yeah. I'm also not like I want to get married like I need to set a goal <laughs> I want to get a house like I don't know I still feel like a child myself yeah in a lot of ways and also you know having those expectations I think is like an open door it's like walking off a cliff into codependency yes especially for because like even like the term like codependence is not something that you hear very frequently so a lot of people are unaware of like the actions or the situations or their own expectations that can lead down that path and I mean that's I've found that for myself like I admit I've been very codependent in the past severely Um, and that's when I started reading about it. Like, I really, like, felt like my life was, had had come to a a halt at one point. Mm. It was actually after I graduated school, college, and then I moved into my own place in that transition, and I had a boyfriend that carried over from college, and we ended up, like, living together in my tiny studio, and the whole thing just, like, spiraled heavily and quickly down into like it just shattered and my because I I had used that whole situation as like a definition of who I was so like if Mm. there was something wrong it became that wasn't my problem it became my problem too so that's when I started learning about codependence and 
I read Codependent No More, but I haven't done as much, like paid as much attention to it since then, and it's been several years. And I think that's probably a big part of why I find myself currently slightly heartbroken right now. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, we, we've all been there. I think that with codependency, you know, um, I think it's one of those things that like for me, I didn't know was, I didn't know what it was. So like when I, when, when I discovered like Melody Beattie books and stuff like that and started reading about it, like I, I felt like, um, I didn't think I was when I started to hang around other people that were in recovery for codependency until like, it took a while to finally sit in, set in, and like I finally start to say, "Oh yeah, you know, I do have some of those traits or most of those traits." And mm-hmm. then, but it has a stigma with it, so I think a lot of people think that it is probably just with relationships with you know a significant other, and it's way beyond that. If yeah. anything, like I would go and meet with these people, and everyone would talk about every other type of relationship except one with a significant other like this one like one these people would talk about their the one with their mother their landlord you know their relationship with their brother and like everyone had like different but no one was talking about like their boyfriend girlfriend husband or, or wife and i was just like am i in the right place so like you know <laughs> why do you I, think that is what that everyone else was talking about that they were probably in a different place than i was or maybe they knew more about it i don't know like mm-hmm. I, I thought it was crazy um I'm sorry to hear about your heartbreak because I know it's I, I'm glad that you talked about it. I wasn't sure if you were going to like say anything about it. Oh, no, on, it helps to talk. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's good. It's really awesome that like you're an open book and it also sounds like like even though you said it's been a few years, it sounds like you're very self-aware. Like right now, it's very cool that like I try you're to a very self-aware person that like, you know, can talk about this and be open about like you know, uh, like saying like, I don't want to get married and like, you know, which is like, that is such a, a awesome, like freeing thing. Like I said, like, I think I remember my friend who told me, he said that, dude, you don't have to have kids or get married. He goes, you don't have to do that. And mm-hmm. like, almost like giving me permission. And when I, when I realized that for myself, I knew that like something lifted off me all of a sudden because I had been programmed in my brain from like TV and society and friends and like, I put my own clock on me like there's a time you have to do this I think like I think most people if not I mean that's just my experience I think most people are put on that I think in one way or another yeah 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 whether it comes to marriage or well for me I I never had that with marriage but I always had that with like wanting to be like a quote unquote successful musician in whatever way like that's defined but when I was younger my like definition of that was like by the time I'm 20 like I want to be like famous and have this huge house and all these properties and fly all around and like just not have to worry about stuff and then, you know, by the time I was 20, I was like, oh, my God, I'm freaking out because it's not happening. 25. <laughs> and then I was 25 and I was like, holy, what do I do? Um, and it honestly wasn't until, like, I let go of it that anything started happening with, like, my music career. And there's still, like, I, there's a long way to go for me, like, you know, but my ideals of it have changed. But I held myself to this 
like standard like crazy standard that like it was paralyzing it's like a catch 22 like it was paralyzing to not be at like have met those goals and then I would like have crazy anxiety about it and that would stop me from progressing any further Mm. it like altered my choices and like my my state of mind and my mental health not to mention that the reason that I didn't even achieve the things that I wanted was because I didn't know it at the time but like I wasn't mentally ready like if if by some chance I got like discovered and then like hit it big time when I was like young in my teens or whatever I would be a mess I might not be alive right now you know like because to have that amount of money and success and fame quote unquote success like and then you're not right emotionally like I was like a tangled mess and I still am but like way less so like the decisions that I made in my past were almost like survival just like I was just constantly in survival mode Mm. and so like I made crazy decisions so to have even like the thought of having like this money and power like to that extent I I know now in my older years of wisdom (laughs) that that would have not been a good idea like I definitely would have fallen probably heavy into like drug addiction or something like really dark that would have changed the course of the rest of my life I think I don't think I would have found like peace within myself because I was always running from it and that was my escape was like I can be on stage and like do this and I just want to make a lot of money so I don't have to worry about anything but I would always be running if if it happened that way maybe because I find myself doing it now but I'm 31 right now so like Mm. in the years that have passed um even like the past five years or five years I've like discovered um more of like myself like my center whereas beforehand I was not I didn't know where I was I was just like running through like this earth like just I don't know just like as if I was running through clouds like I didn't have any like stability and I took it took a lot to start to build that for myself and it's not all there yet I think everybody's on their journey but I don't remember what the point I don't remember what started <laughs> no. this my side just went off on a tangent no no I, I, I wanted you to go on like that's what it was like me and you having a conversation and not an interview I'm, yeah I'm, I'm just curious for myself because I want to know what what do you think so what do you think made that happen in the past five years or so you said what what was it what was the turning point honestly um because i want to know okay well the i could tell you like just quickly the reason that i think i did get into for me the the biggest problem was also like i was always like in a relationship i honestly still find myself in relationships Mm. and then but it was worse then and my turning point was my last relationship when I lived with somebody and they actually like when they drank it's like they became a different person and they were very angry yeah. and it was very dark and scary energy a lot of blackouts cops were called a couple times like yeah. I was I remember this one instance like 
my mom actually had just texted me and we had just come from our a family party at my house and uh he was drinking a lot of liquor we got back to the apartment that we lived at my mom texted me like did you get home safe or something and I just opened the text and like he looked at me as if like some guy was texting me or something I don't know but his eyes like glossed over and they became like black and it scared the crap out of me and I literally just put my phone down on the table and ran and he chased me down the stairs and he fell down the stairs but like I made it outside and I called the cops it was traumatizing scary yeah yeah it was and it was like that consistently um to uh, you know it just got to ahead and I had just come back from like a work trip literally had my suitcase was coming up the stairs went into the bathroom and he automatically was just like beating on the door like screaming at me and I was like I cannot do this I just took my suitcase and I left and that was it so um that happened I found a spot to stay at. Like, I found my own apartment two weeks later. And that was the beginning of it. Mm, that was a turning point. That was a tu- And also, here's another thing that nobody talks about, but there is something called PMDD. It's premenstrual dysphoric disorder. Mm-hmm. And it's like PMS, um, but way more severe. And a lot of the times it's diagnosed, it's misdiagnosed as like bipolar because it's, it's basically like mood swings, but it's because of like the hormones that happen, you know, in a woman's body when she like gets a period and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, I have it and it's intense. And for a long time I was like, what the fuck is wrong? Am I allowed to curse? Yeah. Fuck. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Like. Every month I was having some kind of insane meltdown, like suicidal thoughts, couldn't go get up and go to work. Like I was, I would be severely depressed, anxious, like constant panic attacks. And it affected my work and my relationships and everything. And it wasn't until I was maybe 24 or so that I had realized that I had it, like that I wasn't, I was like, do do I have bipolar? I was mis- I was misdiagnosed as having bipolar. Yeah, I was about to ask if they misdiagnosed you. They did. Um, I was like, do I have borderline personality disorder, which might be a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I came across like some articles about PMDD, and I was like, holy shit! Like I checked off like eighteen out of nineteen boxes yeah. for like all the <laughs> symptoms, and I was like, this is literally it. So then the next few years became a journey of like it's not a widely treated thing like it's not very well known Mm -hmm. I think so many women have it and just don't know it because it's not out there um so I tried like birth controls different types that you know they change your hormones a little bit I tried homeopathic stuff I tried a bunch of stuff Mm. and I found something that worked for me and uh it's actually Prozac is what works for me um, and at first it was like, I would just take it when I could feel myself getting towards like closer to my period, I would get like irritable. Things would seem catastrophic that weren't a big deal at all. And then I would take the Prozac, but then I just took it every day and it 
even me out a lot. Like I still feel the mood swings and like I can, but now I can see it from like a distance. I can say like, okay, I know that I want to freak out right now. Like my body is like reacting, but I know that this is just a symptom. Like this is like a side effect of the PMDD. Like it's not as serious as your body feels like it is. Yeah. So the Prozac helped and that happened around the same time. Like I moved out of the apartment that I shared, got my own place and then also like took, started taking Prozac all at the same time. And then it was like, boom, I figured out how to like become a full-time musician. So that was like the turning point. It was a combination of like actual physiological stuff in my body. And like by the grace of God, finding something that really like did help. And also just realizing that I had to be on my own and I couldn't be, you know, I couldn't be with this person. It, I was like pretty codependent, I would say. Like they affected me every day. <sighs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's excellent. And that's, what an amazing, like the odds that you were actually able to stumble upon what was actually Working. ailing you. And like, you know, you were able to actually get that, get the right treatment for that. And like the fact that you shared it now, maybe somebody could hear it and it now it's an option for them to be like, wow, you know, because there's, there's a lot of uh, misdiagnosed people and and stuff. But like you said, because it isn't as common. So because it's not as common, doctors aren't specifically looking for that or even, yeah, not that they haven't heard of it. Cause I, I definitely heard of uh, that, but, um, yeah, I don't remember. I don't even remember the last time I heard of it, but yeah, that's how I know that it's not. It's probably not. It's not that common. So. I heard of it in passing a couple yeah. times, and yeah, but yeah, it actually is something that it's a reason that I want to expand my like fan base and like grow, yeah, and become more of like somebody that can that's heard by more people. Because like I want to be like a spokesperson for like this awareness, yeah, because it's seriously life altering, like. It is a big reason that I've gone through so many hardships that had that not been a part of my life, like, they, they're just not necessary. Like, they didn't need to have happened. And it's still hard, but I think, like, if people, you know, like, it's something to consider. I think a lot of people have it that don't know, and if they become aware of it and realize they have it and can like get treatment, it improves their quality of life. Maybe, maybe it's a lot more than people know because maybe there's a lot of people that actually misdiagnosed. That's exactly what it is. I think. Yeah. That's probably what it could be. It's so easy to diagnose it as bipolar, especially cause it's like bipolar is like, you know, you have the extreme highs, the and extreme lows. lows, and that's exactly what it is. Except it, <laughs> The highs are, I feel like, more of just relief from not feeling like absolute fucking garbage. Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, thank God. It was, but it's a definite cycle. It's, I still feel it. Like, I still feel the effects. And you know what's weird is when I'm in a relationship and I'm close to somebody, those effects are amplified. The feelings? Yes. Your feelings. Yeah, I'm like way more sensitive and like course, you know vulnerable and stuff and it that it kills me because it's like i still feel like i'm not able to carry out a healthy relationship and then i'm hard on myself but i that's why i feel like i want to start i need to do a little more like i need to educate 
myself a little bit more about like codependence because I feel like I'm still doing it you know like I want to be more aware but my thing is I probably do it like with my significant other more so than any anything else because I don't really you know my relationships with like other people aren't they don't affect me like that like I've I set pretty good boundaries I would say but when it comes to being intimate and close with like a person I don't know I'm like a baby I need to like master that I yeah. really do. It's and I think me. the awareness of that is actually huge. And like, it's funny because when you educate yourself and get yourself better, and like you said, like, let's say, for example, you found that you have a PMDD and you found out now, now you help other people. So the same thing with like, if you're working on codependent or sex and love uh, issues within yourself, like, um, then when I educate myself and I start to get myself a little better, it, let's say it starts to work and I'm like, all right, yeah, then I have this, then I can help other people or like talk about it and other people be like, oh, wow, that's, you know, I I go through the same thing because I did the same thing with codependency when I started to, to get into recovery for that. Um, people would ask me and then I would say, well, it's like this or that or like this is what happened with me and like people would be like, wow, that's me. Like I go mm-hmm. through that or I feel that way and I'm like, oh, you know, they wanted to come check it out as well so that helped them. But you said something that really helped me. I used to talk to this guy. His name was Dirk. So shout out to Dirk if he, he ever checks this out. Um, hey, Dirk. <laughs> hey, Dirk. He's a uh, excellent producer, like real crazy producer but he would produce like these, he had every instrument, every type of keyboard, like every whatever he's amazing but he would love to produce stuff that for like uh national geographic like the, the doom, 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 like all that oh, stuff that's awesome. like he wants to submit stuff to there and get it on there i'm not sure if he ever did but i mean it was beautiful stuff he would orchestrate but i remember talking to him in early recovery for alcoholism and uh, not talking about alcoholism but we were talking about music and we just he just like hit like so hard like we related so hard with the music because i talked about the downs so like as a musician when I don't talk to other musicians or I stay to myself I forget that like um, that they feel or artists in general all the artists they feel the same way that I feel they feel the ups the downs the depressions they feel the like the crash after a show I don't know if you've ever felt it where like you got so high off of like doing a show and you're done and you go home and you're on the couch and you just post show blues yeah yeah you're like crash so like talking to him about it I was like oh man like you need to be like my my music sponsor like yeah. you need to, like, <laughs> like I need to talk to you because I don't feel so alone anymore and the yeah. fact that you were talking about all that stuff made me feel like oh okay i'm okay because like you know the fact that yeah you want to be in a higher platform to to talk to more people because that way like when i say something it'll like you know if i have something important to say there'll be more ears to listen and Mm -hmm. that's why you know it does become disappointing when you do ride the roller coaster of just being a musician just putting stuff out making stuff happen really working hard getting disappointed when the when the show gets shut down or you know uh it gets canceled or you have to go all the way and do this like on and on and on making a song like going to the studio writing it getting it mixed down mastered getting the artwork getting you know like on and on and on i mean i love that shit though that's the shit that energizes me but it's not doing it that makes me i still have that same feeling of like pressure and like if i'm not doing it i'm like i need to do it but you understand what i'm talking about like you 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 know what i mean like when i go 
I'm talking about like the ups and downs of it. Oh fuck yeah! It's I mean it's like you're like living your life like create like you're devoting a part of your soul to like creating stuff. It's yeah. I always think each song for me is like a little baby. So like that's like my little child every song I make. So it gets treated the same way. I go and I work on it uniquely and then do the best I can and then there you go. Wait, can you tell me about Peter Pan? Because I fucking love that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so, it's amazing. Peter Pan is uh, a song that I have on my Sober Art Volume 2. And it wasn't going to be Sober Art Volume 2. I wanted Sober Art uh like the b-side you know like on a mm-hmm. record when you had the b-side mm-hmm. and uh people on spotify or whatever wouldn't let me do that because they say i'm not allowed to do that it has to be like that's only for meant for re- like record records or something like that it would confuse people so they said you you can call it volume two i'm like okay fine i was like so i put it on all the leftover songs that i wasn't going to put on sober art because they were just weren't good enough i felt so it didn't fit the vibe Mm-hmm. So I put it on that one. And um, behind you, there's a picture. See those guys hugging right there? Yes. And above on the corner, that guy in the middle, his name is Michael. And that song was mostly loosely based off of him. Wait, which one? In in this picture? No, go right. Yeah, that's him hugging the older gentleman. Okay. That's Big Earn. Shout out to Big Earn. And uh, up here, I'll show you right up there. You see in the, middle? in the middle? Yeah, him. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, Yeah, gotcha. him. And that uh, was loosely based off of him. And the song Peter Pan basically is, is, is like, I heard these two Peter Pan quotes and I mushed them together and that's the hook. And um, so the songs, I, I changed the name from Mike to Mark. And I, I, I changed it more to like, I, the story was that about a kid and getting addicted and then, like, at by the end of the song, like, you know, he overdoses and stuff like that. And the reason I call it Peter Pan is because the kid, you know, is a kid and he doesn't he doesn't grow up. Yeah, he so stays was, a kid. Yeah, so yeah. he stays a kid. So that was, the, that was the point of that song. Yeah. And I love telling stories. So I didn't realize in my first project I have stories. Like, I have a story at the end of the, the, the CD with Mac, that Mac Lethal. Mm-hmm. Mac Lethal is on a song, but he also made a beat for one of the songs on there as well. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And then, um, and then I think the last song was like Private War, and it was a it was a story. So it was a story about a guy, Dave and Melanie, and like how it was about like he got he was just a drunk and stuff, and like they start you know it starts with them meeting, then it starts about the relationship, but then it's getting you know kind of uh, not good, and then by the end it's like the relationship is shit because of his drinking. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stories, I think, are the easy... I write those in, like, five minutes. Sick. They're so easy to write. I'm not good at writing stories. No? Nah. I, I, I find it as... I don't have enough... I don't have enough uh, room in a song to write a story. So I have to make sure when I write a story, I know exactly... Let's say there's three verses. I have, I have room for three verses. So then I just have to write, all right, well, beginning, middle, and end. So then, you know, I write the beginning... As I'm getting through the first verse, I have to make sure it's opening it up for the middle of the story. Then the middle of the story is a good chunk of it. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, if I have a third verse, if I'm lucky enough, then I could kind of end it up and, mm-hmm. and then end it however I want. My friend just died, actually. He just mm-hmm. passed away. But he, he, um, uh, his, his rap name was The East Ender. And uh, his name was Sean. And um, me, Sean, and my friend Travis 
uh, we Travis started a group called Speakeasy, and we were rapping. Mm-hmm. This, this is back in the day. Um, so I, I believe it was Travis's idea to. It was on my CD, but it was his idea to let's all do a song. We'll do a story, but I'll start it off, which Travis started off the story, and then it was about a girl. I forgot the girl's name, but like Susie or something. I don't know. Anyway, so he's like <laughs> Cindy. So he was like, "All right, blah 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 blah." And then I had a, you know, and then my friend who passed away, uh, like last month or whatever. Oh, that's so. He uh, he did the middle. Sad. He did a middle part of the story, so he he just took it up and he wrote whatever he wanted. What what was this character gonna do? So he wrote, and then I got, and then after I heard their verses, then I was like, all right, what can I do with this character? And I took it. So anybody out there, I mean, if they could find it, is I know it's on Bandcamp. It's on the CD. I hate beautiful. I think it's crying herself to sleep. I think that was the name <laughs> of the song. So it was a whole story about this girl. So um, but like that's how we did it. We just like batoned it. We were just writing verses you pass it to the next person and i love like writing like that's why i like slick rick slick rick and eminem and people like that like they can tell a story mm-hmm. have you ever heard any of their stories um even like snoop dog like snoop dog murder was the case stuff like that like uh those yeah they could tell stories i love stories you know i don't think a lot of singers tell a lot of stuff well they do tell no stories. singers t- definitely tell like a lot but it's different than like rapping about it you know that's another point I want to make with rap because you were talking about as you get older, right? And as a musician, I always feel like I was. It's funny because sometimes I'm like, I have an idea and I want to post it. Like I'll put it on social media, but then I'm like, nah, I'm not gonna post it. Like I don't know why. I just choose not to. Maybe I'm codependent and I choose. <laughs> but like, one thought I had was that like, I always feel like with hip hop. Like every other genre, it's okay for you to get older, except for hip hop, because I feel like hip hop. They, exp- I feel like I don't know. You could tell me because you you know you're an out not an outsider, but like you could tell me from your perspective. Is it that like there's a stigma that unless you've made it supposedly that you're not like a, as an MC or a good a rapper, like because like you can't be what like forty, forty five, fifty like rapping because you're a good rapper. Unless and people look at you different, unless you're Big Daddy Kane or, or Eminem or something like that. You know, I'm not the right person to ask because, <laughs> like, in in my honest opinion, like, if somebody's a good artist and like a a good songwriter or storyteller, rapper, whatever, they're only gonna get better with age. So I yeah. mean, and like, especially, well, I mean, anything, rappers, songwriters, like, there's nothing to offer except for like more wisdom you know like i like i i don't i don't see a problem with rappers i always see, i always feel like there was a stigma that's why I always feel uh, yeah like, you know uh, why there is a stigma i don't know uh, okay <laughs> i don't i don't know i don't really like feel any type of way like if a song is good and like well well told then it's good you know i can see like I see the stigma that you're talking about, but I never even like thought twice about it or like why, you know. Yeah, yeah I, yeah, I haven't yeah. paid attention to it. Also, consider that like, like there's a lot of rappers that die young, from a lot of them from overdosing or like getting shot and shit. And like, I don't know. I feel like that's a thing. To, I don't know how to put it. I feel like hip hop. Well, I've heard it before a lot of times. I've heard it from 
even professional people in the industry to say that it's a youth driven movement hip-hop which is i get it right you know like i always feel like someone's more impressed by a 13 year old that can rhyme than a 30 year old that's obviously light years beyond it but they say oh because he's so young Mm -hmm. he could rap that's in anything though yeah 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 oh yeah like like with justin bieber when he came in i held it he was like a fetus yeah when he was like a fetus (laughs) fetus bieber i actually i'm a justin bieber fan I like Justin Bieber. I think he's super talented and he only got better and he survived, like you said, the, the youthful thing of he could have went crazy, crazy. And Yeah, he did some fucking stupid shit. Yeah. And I would have done the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I would have absolutely, I would have fucking driven drunk all the time. Like, no consequences because you're famous. Like, do you watch BoJack Horseman? I I started it back in the day and oh, I, I never finished show. it because I feel I guess it was too much for me emotionally when I was It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot that show. I but like I I watch it all the time. I love that show. It's one of those like it's one of those things where like talking about it and like relating to it like that show addresses so much of like so many like different spectrums of mental health. It's it's great. It's such a good show. I know. My friend w- was telling me about that. And um, I know I got to go back and finish watching it. But It's really good. It's really good. Everybody watch BoJack Horseman. Go watch it. Yeah. I think we should get paid for this. But um, I'm going <laughs> to end this now because it's going to be so hard for me to bounce this later on. Okay. <laughs> so uh, is there anything you want to say to everybody? I think you even introduced yourself, but I'll do it later when I reintroduce this. But That's fine. Um, everyone stay try to stay strong you know we're doing the best that we can and everybody's kind of going through it at one point and be kind to each other don't that's important be assholes don't, don't be a prick i have a patch on my jacket that says don't, don't be a prick be a prick it's like on a cactus we have chelsea to come where can they find you and look for you and on all of the things, it's just Chelsea Takami. It's, I'll spell it, C-H-E-L-S-E-A. And then Takami is T-A-K-A-M-I. Oh. So, you know, at Chelsea Takami, ChelseaTakami.com, all of those. Hopefully we can have you back. Anytime. Yay. Thanks for having me. Thank you.